Hey everyone, this is Ashley, producer of the OpStars podcast. Today we're bringing you a special episode featuring a live session recorded at OpStars 2023 in San Francisco. Enjoy. All right, so I'm Amy Figliolo. I lead the North America Enterprise team at SalesLoft. It's great to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for this this panel that I think is going to be really insightful. Um, Mike, do you mind introducing yourself? Absolutely. Uh, Mike Weir, I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at G2. We're the world's largest software marketplace. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve DeMarco, uh, CRO of Lean Data. We're co-sponsor here with SalesLoft uh, at OpStars. I've been with uh, Lean Data now for for four years. Um, we uh, are a solution that does revenue orchestration uh, for Salesforce customers, which is why it's awesome being here next to Dreamforce. Um, and this is a subject near and dear to my heart, uh, you know, pres- preservation and, and, and uh, growth of customers. So looking forward to, to uh, meeting with you with my panelists, my fellow panelists. And I'm Sam Loveland. I'm the Chief Customer Officer at SalesLoft. Great. So let's jump into it. So in the past year, we've seen organizations really have to focus on how they're retaining customers, especially in light of macroeconomic uh, trends that are happening. It's it's harder and harder to land sort of new business and new logos and all the more important to retain customers. Um, I want to hear from you first, Mike, if you don't mind. What's one way that revenue teams can drive customer loyalty and success? Yeah, so uh, first, I would think it's super important that everybody, especially in the software space, understands the research that we've recently done shows that it's not even just about ROI, but it's also about how quickly you get ROI proof. So all of our bio research came back saying the number one thing that everybody was looking for from the software companies was that I have to have a meaningful ROI within six months. And so before, generally, they said ROI at some point. Now it's like time bound and has to happen quickly. So one of the things that we've been doing is getting really deliberate in our customer success and selling motion. We've started to log what we call big wins across every single account possible, where we are taking the mutual success plan that we agree to upfront with customers. And our CSMs are literally logging within our Salesforce instance, hey, this big win came across. Hey, they got this improvement in their campaign performance. Hey, CPLs have gone down this much. Hey, we just generated like 50 reviews for them, which is double what they were targeting. And so they're they're actually logging that and then as they go into a mandated six-month business review, they're now asking at the end of that business review, if this renewal was tomorrow, would you renew with us or not? And so we're not leaving it a chance of like, geez, that QBR went awesome. Like, we feel really good. It's like, we're meaningfully challenging in a good way. Like, are we doing what we need to do? Because right now there's way more scrutiny. If you're not in the top three investments, you're out even if you are doing a decent ROI. That's that's quite a question. I can imagine holding your breath after that one, right? Would you renew tomorrow if I asked you to? Um, that those are some really good points, uh, and I think the the point about aligning on value earlier in in sort of their lifetime as a customer is really important. Um, I know Sam, you know, you as our as our chief customer officer um, have talked a lot about executive sponsorship, both internally and externally 
How do you think about uh, what that looks like and, and what really strong relationships look like within your existing customer base? Yeah, thanks, Amy. And I love that, Mike, that question. I'm going to tell my team to do it. They have to have courage to do that, too, though. So, <laughs> um, you know, when we talk about executive relationships, during the sales cycle, people do a phenomenal job of getting to the right level, right? Because you need to have the buyer make the final decision. What happens, though, is when you get to implementation, the resources on the ground get pushed down to a different level. And then you're working with the administrators, not that they're not important, but they're more focused on getting to implementation. They have very specific timelines. So what happens is you've lost some of that executive relationship. And so it's really important as a post-sales organization and even your selling organization to create those moments to, you know, get in front of the executive, show them the value, having the right conversations. Um, and, you know, and I think it's also important not just to have one executive leader that you're tied to, but be multi-threaded within that account. Um, you know, many sellers, you know, seller or buyers leave after 18 or 24 months and your renewal might not be for 36 months. And so if you're not building those right relationships at the executive level, guess what your competitors are doing? They're building those relationships and they're coming in. And so, as Amy mentioned, you know, we just uh, reinstituted an executive sponsor program. So our top 65 accounts, um, we have aligned our executive leadership team, our second level leadership team to those accounts to ensure that we're getting the breadth of coverage um, and building those meaningful relationships. I think that's such a good point about multi-threading because we talk about it so much on the sales side of things, right, and landing a new account um, and how important it is. And, you know, maintaining those relationships through the post-sales journey is also just equally as important, maybe even more so. Um, so I wanted to actually uh, ask you, Steve, about how you're thinking about account health and revenue predict predictability um, in, in Lean Data. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, it, you know, it's funny because some people say, wow, you're, why are you doing this session about you know, preserving the customer, you're, you're a CRO, you're just a sales guy. You just go out and bring in new customers and then you just throw it over to the customer success team and they deal with keeping them. And, and that's a total fallacy. I mean, we, we care so much about um, preserving customers and, and, and then continuing to grow them as well. And I think the advent of SaaS, since, you know, I've been selling SaaS solutions now for almost 20 years, um, it's really shifted to that kind of focus. You know, you don't, you don't just kind of bring a customer on board and then you move on to the next one. It's everybody's job in the company to really, uh, preserve that customer because they have the ultimate power, right. In a subscription environment where they're not getting the value that you promised them in the sales cycle, they're going to churn. And that's the death knell for every, every SaaS company out there. So as a CRO, it's, it's, it's really important. And I had a wise chief customer officer, his name was Bernie Kassar. Uh, he's not in the room here, but great, wonderful guy um, who once told me, he said, Steve, the key is uh, engagement and adoption. Um, if you're engaged with your customer after they become customers and you're talking to them and they're adopting your solution, they're using it, um, they're going to they're gonna renew. And I, and I agree generally with that, but I think it, it actually goes deeper than that. I think it's it's a level of quality engagement Sam talked about. It's You're not just in, engaged with the user or the admin of your solution. You have to be engaged all the way up and down because your user could be very happy with you, but maybe the economic buyer, the executive buyer, maybe they don't see the value. 
that that user does. And, and guess what? They hold the purse string. So they have a say in, in what, what software they keep. Um, and so I think it's the quality of that engagement at all levels. And then the quality of adoption also. You know, you might say, hey, I sold, we sold these folks 200 users. They're using all 200. Okay, but go down a level and, and measure, you know, what are they actually using of your solution? Are they using the basic stuff that maybe any other vendor could come in and say, well, we can do that too? Uh, in, in which case, maybe there, there are potential churn risks because of that. So just because the usage is where you think it should be, you really have to leverage the engagement to find out, are they using it strategically? Is it delivering strategic value? And, and, and keeping track of that stuff, you know, you know, there's, there's all kinds of tools right now that you can use to track that level of engagement and the quality of, of, of adoption so that you can see if, if they stopped using a really critical part of the solution that's very strategic to your value, you need to know that and you need to, to be able to respond to that accordingly. So it's, it's, it's monitoring those types of things that I think uh, really can help make sure customers are, are doing that quality usage. I think that's really uh, insightful, especially about the quality of the adoption, because so often we talk about adoption, but how how have they actually adopted the platform and, and are they using it on a daily basis? And is it is it really transforming the way that they do business? Um, so we've we've covered the three ways that we can protect revenue and preserve customers. It's getting to value, as Mike talked about, aligning with the right stakeholders and then uh, increasing customer engagement and adoption. When we think about the modern customer journey, it's not really a funnel anymore. It's more of a flywheel. And operations teams are really critical in helping to bring data and process and technology together uh, to drive success. Sam, I know you've talked about, especially you know, coming to, to sales off, that customer success is everyone's responsibility. Can you speak to how ops teams can make an impact in improving uh, customer loyalty and growth? Yeah. So my ops team is like my best friend. I meet with them more regularly than my direct leadership team, quite honestly. Um, and, you know, we're really moving sales loft to be very data driven, right? Making the right decisions based on the data that we're seeing. And the ops team are so critical to helping not only provide the data, but also the insights behind that data. And so um, one of the things that, you know, the team put in place uh, with working alongside our customer success resources, our services and support organization is a customer health score. You know, providing what are the right elements, the usage data, are they adopting? What are the triggers that we need to see? Are we at the right executive relationship? What's our MPS score? So pulling in a variety of different sets of data to come up with a customer health score. And using that to make the right decisions around when do we engage with a customer around the renewal? How far in advance do we have to do that? Um, and so, you know, it's been really a close partnership with our ops team and really better understanding our data so that we can make more informed decisions and making the right decisions for the future. Makes perfect sense. Um, Mike, we talked about predicting buyer behavior and leveraging the right signals to really understand the health of, of an account or a partnership. Uh, how do you feel like ops teams can surface the right customer insights? Yeah, I'm 100% aligned to both of the answers you all just shared. Uh, practically, one of the th big things that our ops team is is finishing up right now is 
we have completely revamped our adoption score to a churn model. And so we've gotten way more deliberate from those leading indicators of like, oh, are you generally adopting? Are you doing the things that we know are important? To now saying, all right, we've actually analyzed 47 different variables across the customer relationship, inclusive of things like how are you utilizing the product? How frequently are you utilizing? How deep into the product are you going? And saying, all right, great. Now we have a churn score, which five months to before renewal, it starts getting highly predictive of whether or not a customer is at risk. So like one, immediately that starts raising the red flag, right? And as I shared before, six months before renewal, if you're on an annual contract, we ask you deliberately, would you renew tomorrow? You may say yes. And then a month later, we may go back to our CSM and say, the data says no. So we got to start having that deep conversation to really understand what's going on. But we're actually going to isolate and raise that awareness of here's the things that appear to be going wrong right now that you should directly address with the customer. And so that's one way that Ops is giving us a lot of that customer health data. But the other way is that we're actually going and using, well, we're drinking our own champagne. We use our own buyer intent data, but increasingly we're looking at other external data partners to pair with our own first party and second party buyer intent data to really understand where are prospects and where are customers in their research journey, in their discovery phase, and making sure that we're surfacing those intent signals to an AE to prioritize their outreach to a CSM as another way to surface the data shows everything's good, but they're researching your competitors on G2 right now. Like that's not a great sign. We better go out there and start talking to them. And so this idea of like really owning our own data and modeling that to understand who are the accounts that we are most likely to win, who is showing really great adoption and not showing up in churn, but who is showing up as a churn risk. So using the data to surface that and then pairing that with the ways in which buyers are engaging across the web and on G2 is helping us to create a very kind of data-centric approach to help our team prioritize their time and know what's the next best action for me. So, Steve, I know at Lean Data, you all use automation a lot to help with uh, customer efficiency and productivity. Can you speak to how you guys are implementing automation uh, to really drive that customer experience and and help with retention as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's great. Actually, I uh, I don't know how many of you saw the keynote that we just did over there, but our our head of RevOps, Christine Maxey, uh, talked about this very thing and I frantically scribbled down a bunch of notes because she, she articulated it perfectly, you know, what we do. Um, because, yeah, you can, you can automate a lot of things, but automation for automation's sake is no good. Because, but, but lean data, it for most of you, uh, some of you that that may not know what lean data does, you know, we help orchestrate, and everybody knows us for orchestrating or or routing leads, you know, because that's our claim to fame. That's just one use case. But actually, what lean data does is it sits inside Salesforce and it monitors any object, including a customer account object. So you, when I say monitor, it can it can basically just keep an eye on all your customers. And if something changes like a churn risk score or a health score or usage data, lean data can then flag that and trigger some action, whether it's, hey, route that account to the appropriate customer success person and, and, and let them know, hey, alert them, this, this, this health score dropped. Okay. So 
we use that our tool for that purpose. And Christine articulated great. She called it the four P's, right? In 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 our process, and it's a, a people movement. So we can actually monitor customer and contact, so that if a key um, person or key contact of the customer leaves, right, we can pick that up because we have tools like user gems um, that can say, hey, somebody moved or someone came into the account that also lean data knows that flags an alert that we can then route. So it's people movement, people intent, partners and and product. Okay. All of those things we can monitor um, people intent. If the customer is showing some intent that might be a churn risk, like usage is going down, or they stopped adopting a certain part of the solution, we can flag that. And we, you know, it's, it's one thing to track it. It's another thing to trigger action because of that signal. Um, partners as well. If, if a customer reads a tool called Crossbeam, whenever a, a, a customer acquires another solution that we integrate with, we can see that. It, be, it pops up on our customer account. So now, all of a sudden, they buy SalesLoft. We know we have a great integration with SalesLoft. We can go talk to them about that integration now because we just found out that they now have this great integration opportunity with one of our best partners. So, and then for the, the last one is, is, is product, just product in general, monitoring, uh, as I said earlier, adoption, but quality adoption. Are they using your foundational stuff or are they also using some of the differentiating um, uh, functionality that you have? that sets you apart from say a competitor because we're in a very competitive industry. Most of you are in competitive industries. So these four P's are just a really great way to kind of articulate how you RevOps can, can really automate, um, still takes human beings to do the work, but you're just serving this, these signals up to the human beings. So they know what to prioritize and, and, and what to focus on. That's great. Those are some really good examples. And I love the, yeah. the four P's. Shamelessly stole it from her. <laughs> and I always love it when I hear people are still involved because I'm so worried. the robots it, it, now, it, over. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, AI, you hear all, all about it. I, I love the, the way you're using AI at SalesLoft. It's, it's a, it's a co-pilot. It sits beside the person and just helps them do their job better because we're still humans dealing with humans. That's never going to go away. They've already automated a lot of, you know, when, when I, I, I don't have to talk to a human when I go buy uh, things on Amazon, you know, so they've automated that, but, but we're talking about sophisticated technology solutions it takes human beings to, to, to talk through that and to be the, as your CEO, Dave Oberon said, the river guide to help customers navigate through. And that's what we're there for. But all of these tools and technology can help us do that job better. Absolutely. So for our last question, let's talk about the importance of taking a customer first approach. When you create any business process in a silo without customer context, you risk a poor experience leading to churn. How can ops teams help tightly align internal business processes against the customer journey and customer expectations? And if you wouldn't mind answering first, Mike. Sure. So I think the, the one thing that I, that I have is like a word of wisdom is if we're talking about customer centric here, part of the premise we've been talking through is all about us so far. It's like, what contract cycle are they on? When are they six months into it? When are they about to renew it? And so one of the things that we're actually you know, challenging within our revenue organization right now 
is to start logging when are our customers in their planning cycles, right? Because it doesn't 100% align to our contract cycles. And so we have to really understand that nuance of, hey, when our contract is coming up may not fit into when they're actually in budget planning mode, right? And so by the time we come in, because it's three months before renewal, they're like, yeah, we already locked budgets down a month ago. So this is all I have left for you right now. It's like, oh, our bad. We had so many great ideas for you. Could we talk about them? Yeah, let's wait six more months and then I'll be in my next budgeting cycle. And so that's the, the big pivot right now is like, how do we start looking at adding into it like our version of what you care about because you don't want to lapse. G2 is too great. You don't want to stop using it. But then really put that on their cycle and say, all right, well, I know you're on a calendar fiscal schedule. So in May and early June, you are talking about what am I going to invest in more meaningfully in the second half of this year? What's not working well for me that I want to optimize out? But if my contract cycle's off that, like I miss that really meaningful time to discuss with the customer what's possible. And so we're really working with our team to say, all right, log this, understand when your customers are in planning mode, when they're in budgeting mode, and talk to them on their time when it's meaningful to them and frankly, for your own self-interest, when they can make a decision about spending more with you. Such a good point. Timing is everything, right? Sam, do you mind answering that same same question? Well, I'll add on to what Mike just said. You know, I think um, it comes to planning, right? So it's all about the account planning that you have to do and incorporating those moments that matter from a customer's perspective is so key. And, you know, when you do your account planning, don't just have it be about the sales organization. Bring in the post-sales organization, right? Because you have to look at it from expansion opportunities, upsells and cross-sells, of course, but also those renewal moments and are they having adoption or usage challenges? Do they have unused licenses? And how do we maximize that for our customers, right? So having both look at it is really critical. Um, and then as part of your account planning, you know, map out who the right key stakeholders are that individuals across your internal organization are going to align to. And then, you know, also do a SWOT analysis. You know, I think really understanding what are your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities and threats and really looking at it holistically, I think is so key. And don't just do this on an annualized basis. Review it every quarter. Are there meaningful changes that have happened that you need to take uh, take into consideration so that you can have build that long lasting relationship with your customer? Such a good point, um, Steve. Over to I, I couldn't agree more with what Sam's talking about. And it and it again coming from more of a CRO, you know, sales centric mindset. Um, you know, sales has always had processes, a, a very defined sales process. And then along with that sales process, we have a playbook, right, on how to deal with the different uh, ins and outs of, of what might happen during the sales process. Well, customer success organizations and preserving customers requires that same focus. And as Sam was talking about, just talking about, you know, there's, there is a process for making sure a customer is adopting and that they, they renew and that they expand and grow. Um, and that process has to be just as detailed. And we talk a lot about the tools that we have to, to flag signals and the data. But then the big question is, well, what do you do with that data? What do you do? What do you do in the circumstance that just got alerted to you? And there has to be a real precise playbook so that, that the customer team and the customer team isn't just customer success. They're probably the quarterback, but then it, it, it could also be the sales organization that sold them in the first place. 
it's the support organization, it's the professional services organization, all have to galvanize around this playbook, know their role, and know how to handle every single situation that, that could possibly arise. So it's, you know, everybody's talking about technology, AI, signals, and that is all super valuable to highlight where there's opportunities for us to, to, to for the human beings to then jump in and then as a collective team execute to make sure that that customer is is happy and that they're healthy. Because as we all know, we've heard the metric, you know, it's so much better to keep a customer than go find a new one. And it's a lot less expensive too. So we have to pour those resources in, in preserving and keeping our customers. That's the only way SaaS companies are going to continue to grow and survive. So it's really key. Great point. All right. Well, that's our session today on the three ways to protect revenue and preserve customers. We really appreciate you all joining us. Thanks. The Opstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for Opstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.